Welcome to Inside the Vault, the payment security podcast, a show from Very Good Security. This is a show for fintech builders and leaders looking for a deep dive into the intersection of payments and data security. You're about to hear a conversation around payments, fintech, data security, and more. Let's dive right in. Hello, everyone. I'm Amanda Carroccio, the Director of Partnerships at Very Good Security, and I'm so excited to speak with our special guest today, Brandon Hoffman. Brandon is a managing partner at Sunset Ventures. Prior to Sunset Ventures, Brandon spent time at Samsung Next Ventures, Morgan Stanley, and JP Morgan. Brandon, welcome to the pod. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. So I know we're going to cover a lot about Sunset Ventures today, but before we kind of jump into that, I want to start a little bit with Samsung Next and your days spent there. Was there an example you can think back on in terms of an investment that really kind of demonstrated the value of having a corporate VC arm for Samsung? Definitely. Just to sort of set the table here with Samsung Next, for those not familiar, Samsung Next essentially is the software and service innovation group for Samsung Electronics, which probably needs little to no introduction, based out of Mountain View. So again, solely focused on software and services. And under one roof, you know, we actually had a few different levers to pull, kind of buy, build, invest, partner. You know, we could do any of these. And in a perfect world, you you actually end up kind of doing a a bit of all of them, maybe, you know, in the life cycle of a relationship with a company or an investment. I think a great example of this, especially in the fintech space, was the investment in LoopPay. So LoopPay, MST, you know, technology, especially around the time when mobile payments was starting to take off. And a lot of the POS kind of systems out there as well were, were changing and evolving. An investment turned into a collaboration with the greater business units and the smartphone business unit specifically. That partnership was obviously successful enough, so much so that it resulted in an acquisition. So Samsung isn't the most acquisitive corporation out there. But again, you know, I think from that being an investment that led to a partnership as well as an acquisition, it's just a primary example of really the best case, you know, the best outcome. And Lupe, you know, once it was acquired and brought in-house, it was scaled, distributed globally and rebranded. It actually became what is now known as Samsung Pay. That was the way that they entered the space to try to keep up with, you know, at the time, Apple and Google, who started to make some inroads there. Yeah, awesome. It's kind of a almost an example of build by and partner within right. that one within that one investment. Thank you for sharing. And shifting gears to today, Sunset Ventures. Can you share a little bit more about what is Sunset Ventures? Who are you guys and what are your focus areas? Yeah. So start with just who we are. So two partners. So myself as well as a, a good friend of mine, longtime friend of, of 10 years, Antonio Key. We actually went to business school together. And then he was the one that pulled me over to Samsung when he was leading the corp dev efforts over there about five years ago. And so, you know, about four and a half years together under the Samsung umbrella, we were able to work on some pretty high profile projects together internally that were quite successful and then lean heavily into the venture team executing early stage deals. Together, he and I sort of tag teamed probably about 25, almost 30 deals on the platform. Some pretty notable ones spanning across gaming, media, fintech and commerce. And an underlying trend and theme important to Samsung and the ecosystem at large was really this Web 2 to Web 3, these emerging technologies. And we spun out and left earlier this year in 2022. And Sunset is focused on pre-seed and seed based out of LA, where I live and am from. My partner lives up in SF. And we're looking for uncommon founders who are building the next generation of the internet. 
And so, you know, really looking for companies that are building with the next generation of users in mind. So, you know, users are going to be more diverse, more expressive, more empowered than ever. And they're wanting hyper-personalized experiences, creative control, ownership, and, you know, gaming and media, I think are key drivers of time and attention and where, where users bring that. While fintech and commerce really like the economic engine, you know, and monetization is where a lot of the value gets exchanged. And I actually love when, when those worlds intersect and they do quite a bit. And, and those are sort of the areas that we enjoy investing in. I think more importantly, these are sectors that I've personally and professionally sort of touched, been in and ha have loved and enjoyed for nearly 20 years in one way or another. So just really leaning into our strengths. And again, you know, the time at Samsung was sort of an invaluable front row seat, if you will number one consumer electronics company in the world. So, And how did you kind of make that decision that it's time to leave Samsung? I know it was kind of a spin out, but really invest your time and, and your livelihood into Web3. Was there kind of like an aha moment that just sort of made you say, okay, I have to go pursue this full time? So sort of two questions there, just even starting with the fund, you know, why, why deciding to leave a platform and, and start from scratch and, and try to build our own fund and firm. Really, it's it's been a, a dream of ours and together, again, in this 10-year journey, it was sort of a 10-year overnight, you know, success, if you will. But we pretty intentionally over the years, you know, we're trying to attain the skills that we thought would be necessary, the relationships, networks, credibility, um, to increase the likelihood of success in raising a fund and, and building a firm, a franchise, which is the vision. And so as it relates to, to Web3, kind of jumping into Web3, going down the rabbit hole, there's, there's all these terms. I think for me, an aha moment, you know, it's probably a couple of years ago, and it really came more by way of, again, my love interest and, and uh, you know, expertise in the world of gaming. I had heard of Bitcoin many years ago when I was at Morgan Stanley and covering payments. So Visa, MasterCard, one of the risks had always been disintermediation, but they have a pretty pretty strong hold uh, and add a ton of value in the ecosystem. And this thing called Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and blockchain, I started to hear about one of the senior associates was, you know, really geeking out on it at the time. And it just seemed like a potential risk, perhaps, but, you know, was nowhere near being a serious threat in the near term, at least, right, back in 2014. And same thing kind of with DeFi, started to hear a little bit of it. It's kind of interesting. Or again, seeing the you know appreciation of, of these prices, the tokens themselves, right, and the currencies. But personally, yeah, I never really jumped in with that regard. But it was in seeing digital collectibles, digital assets, virtual assets, and items that are made possible by non-fungible tokens, right, the NFTs. For me, that was kind of the aha. As I continue to cover gaming and just go deeper and deeper, it was internally at Samsung pitching and talking about the metaverse, talking about these virtual items, virtual commerce. And again, NFT kind of was changing the atomic unit, you know, the basic building blocks sort of of that ecosystem and just really thought could be transformative. And so personally started playing blockchain-based games and kind of dabbling, you know, a, a little bit there, then minting some NFTs like Board Ape Yacht Club and joining these communities. And it was a steep learning curve, but really joining those communities, just, just learn by doing. That's kind of my on-ramp into the world of Web3. Sounds like you you did go pretty deep in terms of <laughs> in terms of exploring it. Okay, so I know that it is a little bit of a wild time in crypto right now as a macro space. Are there any ideas that you could sort of share in terms of what you think it might take to almost like stabilize or set crypto and sort of Web three up for success long term? Yeah, 
I mean, I think two things, really. On one hand, regulation is obviously more and more topical, and I think that's going to be important. I think that's going to be necessary. It may be tough. It might slow down innovation a bit, especially in, in the U.S. and the Western world. But in the end, you know, I think it could actually open up opportunities once it's clear what can and can't be done or who the stakeholders are, what their roles and responsibilities are. I think of kind of the Durban Amendment, you know, and once that happened, again, a piece of regulation, but it actually opened up a ton of opportunities sort of in the last 10 years, let's say, the fintech 2.0 wave, right, which is kind of interesting. So, you know, on one hand, regulation. I think the other really is sort of a, a rebranding of sorts, to be honest. I don't know if the buzzwords, right, the jargon and some of these kind of hashtags of sorts, you know, even Web3, even the term, right? Will it be around in five years, 10 years? Maybe, maybe not. Personally, I don't, I don't care. And, and if some of these terms have negative stigmas, you know, they might need to be kind of put aside. Same with NFTs, crypto, so on and so forth, right? I mean, I think digital dollars, you know, I think virtual assets, virtual, you know, items, collectibles, terms and, and things that people understand. And at the end of the day, that should be what they're in, interfacing with. And, you know, I think the complexity should be abstracted sort of behind it all. But I think the rebranding, not only from buzzwords and jargon, but just really trust, you know, I mean, I think trust is going to need to be established, especially in financial services. It's super important. And again, now there's already a, a, a you know, lack of trust associated with some of these terms and words. And, and so, again, I think that kind of goes together. Well, I could give you a shot right here if you want to rebrand Web3. Our listeners could hear it here first. You know, just open invitation anytime throughout this recording. If you want to, if you want to go for it, go for it. No, no, I, I don't think I have a, a, a term, a better term or anything like that. That's why for me, so far, you know, we continue to call these digital experiences on the internet, right? And so I think it'll just continue to be the internet, but this is gonna be the next era, right? They, these are gonna be new types of experiences. I do think that they are going to come and, and they'll be beneficial to most all stakeholders. Awesome, so in terms of raising your own fund, was there anything that was really surprising to you about that process? You know, to be honest, I think what was most surprising is a lot of the operational work that's done, you know, in the back office and building the platform. You think venture, you think investing, was sort of privileged, you know, on the Samsung platform to to just be focused on investing, which is a full-time job, you know, in and of itself and and to do it well, you know, you're you're working overtime. But really building the firm from the ground up, you know, all of these different kind of functions that need to be managed, accounting, tax, audit, legal, marketing, communications, content, even, you know, why I'm here, right? Trying to find partners effectively to work with. You're building a brand, you're building a business. And so raising capital, deploying capital, right? Being a steward of that capital is an important component. That's your product effectively, but part of your product in the broader ecosystem is your brand, is your reputation and institutionalizing that. So I think while I knew that work needed to be done, probably underestimated it, you know, between my partner and I. And so we're just juggling a lot, wearing a lot of hats. And, and that's where, you know, time management, division of roles and responsibilities becomes really important as you, you not only, you know, raise the fund, build the firm, but especially as you want to grow and scale. And you did mention that one of the things for that you're really excited about is this intersection of Web3 and then fintech and commerce. I would imagine that has a pretty big part of Sunset as well. Are there any theses that you guys have in terms of 
you know, where that intersection will play out or where you think that intersection might be going? I mean, I think with the intersections or, or really the areas that are most of interest and, and touch a few of these payments is going to be a big one, as mentioned. As I said years ago, it seemed far off and it might still have a ways to go in terms of the timing, but focus on pre-seed and seed sort of have the luxury to try to think of, you know, where the world is heading at least, you know, let's say the next 10 years. And I do think payments is just a huge, huge opportunity, big market, pretty messy landscape in terms of spaghetti strings that holds it all together and, and all the connectors and a lot of intermediaries, a lot of inefficiencies. And, you know, you hear end users, especially merchants, SMBs, the smaller ones, you know, there's a lot of backlash oftentimes in terms of the fees they have to pay. Right. And so I do think if in a world, let's say, where Web3 enters the, the payments ecosystem in a meaningful way, it might not be, you know, crypto as we know it today, but it might be digital dollars, you know, stable coins, CBDCs. And again, by way of regulation, if, you know, such a digital dollar was introduced, it would require, you know, the whole landscape, the infrastructure effectively to be rebuilt or augmented. And you've seen that happen kind of in waves as well within the world of payments. And then these opportunities open up, whether it was EMV chips, you know, or NFC and mobile payments technologies. And so maybe with the digital dollar, let's say. Another one is is virtual items and loyalty. You know, I think with brands and with merchants, Starbucks is a prime example. The way that they innovated on loyalty points as well as mobile payments and their gift card, you know, scheme. And they've announced the Odyssey program. You know, I mean, they're going to be experimenting with Web3. And so they were a leader and really, you know, revolutionized the space and the role that a merchant plays. And, you know, I, I think should Web3 work for them and they lean into it, others will follow. Nike buying Artifact, really a, a lab effectively, you know, a design lab, creative agency building NFTs, digital assets, AR, as well as those tied to blockchain. And they're building a marketplace. These are new types of products, right? It's not it's not just physical shoes anymore. So if, if they lean into digital, all of a sudden, you know, commerce and marketplaces for digital items is going to matter. Lastly, I think is embedded finance, which is a popular one in general, I think, with folks looking at fintech. But specifically, as it relates to the world of creators, as, as well as gaming platforms and game experiences, I think there's a big opportunity there to better serve basically the, the gamers, those that are building games within these platforms, you know, developers or user generated content, as well as creators in that ecosystem. So yeah, I think Starbucks in particular has always sort of been on the forefront. You know, as you mentioned yeah. that loyalty piece, I remember <laughs> I remember those gold cards back in the day. But sort of the whole ecosystem that they've built, I think they will be an interesting one to watch for sure in terms of how they're kind of combining all of those areas you mentioned. I would love if you could share, is there an investment you've done recently that you could share publicly that you're really excited about? There is one that was recently announced Again, since these announcements tend to lag quite a bit, one of the last deals I had done on the Samsung platform uh, was recently announced uh, about two months ago, maybe a little less, called Immunify. So invested in the Series A, they raised $24 million and was excited about Immunify really because they're leaning into the messy, kind of scary stuff, hacks, fraud, risk, and especially in the world of DeFi, which is where they play, you know, decentralized finance and some of these projects. I think these are the areas that are going to now more than ever get a lot of attention. They're necessary. It's become abundantly clear that they're necessary and they're problems that need to be solved. But anytime there's a severe problem that needs to be solved where a lot of value is at risk, that means there's a big opportunity. And so 
they've uniquely assembled really this elite community of white hat hackers that kind of protect these projects from exploits, sort of what HackerOne was in the Web2 world. And to date, they've saved $25 billion from hacks within projects. You know, so I really think that that's an exciting one to keep an eye on. And again, I think with trust needing to be built, especially in this ecosystem, these kind of names and platforms are going to be very important. Do you think it's trust being kind of like the biggest tailwind in terms of, or sorry, biggest headwind in terms of crypto really and Web3 really making a lot of headway in terms of fintech? Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I think I think two things. I, I think trust is a really important one. And then just even the user experience itself, you know, which is more of a, a product kind of aspect. But I think trust underlying it all is is paramount. And that's going to take time to mend, like I said. So whether it's kind of rebranding, whether it is, you know, these kind of new platforms and projects and solutions that will help protect the end users and consumers to instill that trust. I also think that traditional finance, big institutions, banks are going to have a role to play potentially as that trust provider, right? In bringing on, let's say, the mass market to touch anything Web3 related or blockchain or crypto. You know, you see JP Morgan, for instance, recently even lean in and, and, and conduct its first DeFi transaction. So I think TradFi, right, is, is keen to what's going on, to the innovation and, you know, I do think that they're going to have a role to play. I don't know if they're going to completely be circumvented and just disappear for the mass market. These institutions have had, call it 100 plus, a couple hundred years at times to, to build that trust right over time. But I, as well as, you know, I think the user experience. I mean, at the end of the day, it's way too complicated. It's slow. It's, it's clearly risky, you know, and, and people are going to be averse, I think, to even attempting to do any of this on their own especially as it stands now. So, you know, I think the go-to-market, I think the interface itself, the experience is going to be important, you know, that layer. So I think it's those two things. I think we're all sort of waiting to see how it how it plays off, especially in terms of, you know, the traditional FIs kind of getting, getting involved in the space. And my last question for you is, if some of our listeners really want to get smart about Web3, especially from a little bit of like a fintech or payments angle, where do you recommend that they go in terms of resources or, you know, how would you kind of go about getting smart if you were to tell someone that was, you know, maybe in your shoes a couple of years ago? Yeah. I mean, there's a handful of research platforms out there, you know, Masari Blockworks, uh, some of these research reports that will be very in-depth for those that are willing and wanting to, to dive deep and really read. But, you know, I think there's no substitute for learning by doing, getting your feet wet, you know, firsthand experience. I think that applies to most all of things. And with this, it requires maybe a little bit of capital of sorts. I mean, almost start as small as you possibly can and just get a feel for what it's like to move a dollar, right, a unit through this ecosystem along the infrastructure into and out of some of these projects or protocols or applications. You know, I think I think that's necessary. So I would say that that's, to be honest, the best way. 
I'm one of those people that probably still needs to to learn by doing. So I think maybe maybe over some of the upcoming holidays, I'll I'll take a little bit of time myself. There it is. <laughs> awesome. Well, Brandon, I really want to thank you for coming on the show. And if people want to learn more about Sunset and you, where can they go? Yeah, I mean, best place to probably reach me, connect, learn more about the firm and background is is LinkedIn. I think as as the platform as well as, you know, if wanted to personally reach out, very active on Telegram. And so in the spirit of Web3, and for those that don't know, Telegram's effectively just a, a chatting app, right, platform, kind of like a Signal or WhatsApp, but very popular sort of amongst the Web3 community and a lot of small groups and active subgroups and communities out there within corporates or institutions and academia sort of live on there. So I'm on there. My handle is at bhoff. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Brandon. Really enjoyed the conversation. And for our listeners, you can always drop us a line at pod at verygoodsecurity.com. And until next time. Industry leading companies from startups to the Fortune 500 use VGS to protect the collection, storage and exchange of sensitive payments data while maximizing its utility. With the VGS zero data approach to handling sensitive data, companies can achieve PCI DSS compliance and take control of their payment stack. To learn more, visit verygoodsecurity.com. You've been listening to Inside the Vault, the payment security podcast, a show from Very Good Security. Keep connected with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast app. If you've liked what you've heard, please rate the show. That helps us to keep delivering the latest from the realms of payments and data security. Thanks for listening. Until next time.